Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds and Talking Aussie Books podcast mashup. I'm Danny V from the Words and Nerds podcast and today Claudine Tanellis, podcast host of Talking Aussie Books, and I come together for a bookish and podcast chat. How are you, Claudine? I'm really well, Danny. Thanks so much for having me on today. This is so good. And I am trying to speak to more podcasters because I don't know about you, but I don't get to speak to many. What about you? I definitely don't. So I think this is probably the first podcast mashup I've ever done. I'm very <laughs> excited about it. So we can nerd up, talk about podcasts. We're going to talk about books too. So there'll be oh, a bit most of both. Definitely. Most <laughs> definitely. That's what we're about. Now, that's can you tell it. us your podcast, Talking Aussie Books, hit me with an elevator pitch as to what your podcast does. I mean, it's exactly what the name suggests. I talk about Aussie books. So it aims to shine a spotlight on Australian fiction writing by connecting readers and writers of Australian fiction. Beautiful. And that was a great elevator pitch. You've done that before, right? I don't know if I've really done it in a formal setting like this, but um, yeah, most definitely I've had to explain why it is that I do what I do and what my podcast is all about. So yeah, it's... um, Super simple. No, no need to think about that one. So, what about you, Danny? What's your elevator pitch? Yeah, well, Words and Nerds just talks about books and I sort of I do every genre, whatever I feel like, really, whatever interests me. Um, but what I really wanted it to be was conversational, enthusiastic, but also not, to, not just talk about books, but talk about stories and talk about how books and stories reflect the world because I like the author and myself to try and have you know really authentic chats we get a bit vulnerable a bit deep a bit silly depends on the book depends on the person and what I really like to do is um just talk about you know not only literature but how it reflects the world and how we can maybe make a better world through talking about these issues and sometimes they're difficult issues sometimes we just have heaps of fun with the kids episodes the kid lit episodes (laughs) you know we just do really silly things but sometimes we get real deep and talk about the world so kind of anything goes really on the words of nerds podcast 
I love it. And I think you do such a fantastic job. And in terms of enthusiasm, man, you got this girl. <laughs> it was funny. One of my friends said, um, he listens to podcasts on double time so we can get through them, you know, half the time of what the podcast actually is. And he says, I tried to listen to your podcast on double time and you were like a chipmunk. He said, you speak so fast already. He said, I can't double time yours. And I went, oh, well, I'm sorry, but I'm just really enthusiastic about books. Here's the thing about podcasting. And I think that a lot of listeners do understand and can perceive genuineness if that's a word, in terms of podcasting. I think you really have to be a genuine person. You really have to love what it is that you do. Because let's face it, there's not a great deal of upside in it for, for us podcasters. There's lots of work involved in it, but I think you really, really have to do it for the love of it and be passionate about what you do. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think it's how you measure success and it's so easy to measure success uh, by money, you know, like oh, how successful is X? And that's determined by a monetary value. Whereas I've really tried to take that sort of out of my life. Of course, we all need money to survive, unfortunately, but we need it. But I've really tried to take that out of the equation of the podcast because I think, well, how many other rewards do I get from it? You know, I get to speak to amazing people. I get so many books that find me that I wouldn't have found before that I love. And, you know, it is an outlet for my anxiety. So I don't know about you, but that was sort of my reasons for starting it. Why did you start your podcast? Yeah, look, I had, a, you know, a number of reasons for starting this podcast. And obviously, I'm an aspiring writer. And so I've been writing probably seriously since about 2016. I released a nonfiction book in 2014. But what I really wanted to do was to write fiction. That was my first love. And so in, in 2016, I'd finished my first practice kind of manuscript and started looking around to, you know, listen to other Australian authors in terms of what their journey was and their experiences uh, were and I turned to podcasts. I really only discovered podcasts in, in about 2017. So around that time, I started looking towards podcasts as a way of trying to get information about other Australian authors and what their journeys to publication um, was like. And what I found was, I mean, there are a number of fantastic Australian podcasts out there, but nothing that regularly devoted time to speaking with Australian authors um, in the fiction space. And um, so that's why I decided to start my own. And I really decided that it was going to be a podcast solely about Australian fiction and Australian fiction writers. And uh, through the podcast, I wanted to learn their journeys, you know, the tips and tricks. I was really hungry for information about how they did or how they do what they do and how they got to where they are now. And um, I just found that that was just, such a wonderful thing and you know just backtracking on what I said before there you know when I said there's little upside to podcasting I didn't mean you know that in personal sense <laughs> for me it's been such a rich um, experience and I have learned so much and been able to connect with so many amazing people present company included of course <laughs> um, and the books that I get and the people that I've met and you know uh, the the readers that I've been able to connect with has just been phenomenal Mm. and that you you simply cannot put a price on <laughs> yeah I agree and it's just such a nice book community you know I don't think I've ever been part of a community that's so positive that's so uplifting of each other that celebrates each other's work 
And, you know, it's just such a nice place to be. Sometimes the world can be a little harsh and a little hard, but you come into this little book universe and everyone is like, yay, look what everyone's doing. Look at this beautiful book. Look what I read. And it's just such a a lovely world to be part of, I think. Absolutely. And the fact that we get to speak to these people and to try and uncover their inspiration and these these wonderful experiences that they have and that we get to learn from these journeys, I think, does make the world a better place. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, there are so many, you know, people that, you know, would classify themselves as introverts um, who don't maybe have a large social circle, but who are able to connect with other book lovers through listening to podcasts and online communities. And I think it's a really wonderful thing. Yeah, I agree. Now, you say you're an aspiring writer. Um, I'm trying to finish something because I abandon everything because I have that whole, you know, never good enough syndrome. So I'm finally, I think, at the end of something. I don't know what that is, but something. <laughs> but in terms of helping you with your own writing, how or what, have you had any specific advice or um, listened to a writer's story that's really resonated with you and you're like, oh, like click, that's what I need to do? Yeah, numerous times, Danny. Um, so on my podcast what I do is I actually ask every author that I interview if they might be able to offer some tips to aspiring writers like me who listen to the podcast and I have a lot of feedback from a lot of people who say that they find those 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 tip sections to be really informative and it helps people to understand that they're not alone in this writing journey that everybody who's trying to to write something, whether you know whether it's a memoir, whether it's you know another fiction book um, or or a nonfiction book, I think you know writers' processes are essentially very similar, and their experiences are very similar. And so I think listening to other writers tell me about their experiences, and you know the fact that they might have had ten manuscripts, you know, stuffed in the drawer before they got their first publishing deal whether it's, you know, pen or whether it's four or whatever the case may be, I think it really helps aspiring writers to know that that's a normal part of the journey and rejection is a normal part of the journey, that not everybody gets the book deal first go. Um, And so, yes, I would have to say to you that that really does help me. And a lot of the times I think, oh, my goodness, that's exactly what I do. And it helps to know that somebody who's, you know, 10 or 15 books down the track has been in my position at some time or another. Yeah, it is really comforting, isn't it? Because, and I think that's opened up, you know, a world for me because you just get this beautiful book on your hands, which is perfect and it tells this beautiful story. But then when you really dig deep, you see where it started and the incredible amount of work that goes into making it that beautiful book. And I'm the same. This is my sort of university of writing. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I've learned lots from people. Um, I think Trent Dalton said it really nicely when he said that, you know, he puts his heart and soul on the page and you can have all the technical stuff in the world, but if you don't put your heart and soul on the page, like what's the point? And I love that. So I try and think about that because I think I'm a very technical writer because I come from an English teacher background. And sometimes you've just got to put that aside and go, no, no, like what am I trying to say? What am I feeling? And how can I put that heart and soul on the page? And as we know with Trent's books, particularly, you know, Boy Swallows University, does that very well um I think Georgia Richter I spoke to her recently and she said her advice she's an editor and she said her advice is to take the work as far as it can go so if you think there's still something I can do here there's still something that needs to be added there's still something missing don't give it to anyone until it's as far 
as you can go because I find that really interesting and I asked her how do you how do you know when a piece of work's finished and she said you know art being art is it ever finished but take it as far as you can go so I like that so if I'm working on something um that's what's in my mind is this as far as I can take it is is this not just my best work but my absolute furthest that I can go um then I did some NaNoWriMo and we and we did that once um, a week during November uh, with a bunch of writers and I think that gave me accountability to finish, to not abandon. And that was, you know, their advice as well. I I'd had a writing group with um, Julianne Negri, Tristan Banks and Adrian Beck, and it was about getting the words down and finishing something. And that was really important for me as well. So, yeah, University of Writing, but I think they're the sort of the hot tips that have helped me through since November. <laughs> Absolutely. And look, NaNoWriMo is one of those wonderful things that I think gets people moving and gets people, you know, fast-tracking progress through a uh, a work in progress and um yeah look i agree with you you know talking to other people and learning how uh to better yourself and you know improving with each project that you work on is a really important um thing that we can learn from other people so anyway danny what i wanted to ask you was who was the first person you ever interviewed and why it was john larkin um australian ya author and I started this podcast with a with a friend, Chris Buchanan, who he actually has a MasterChef and Bake Off podcast. And I was saying, I want to do it. And he's like, just do it. Didn't know anything about it except, you know, how to listen to a podcast. And he was just like, don't overthink it, just do it. So I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I look back now and I, I, you know, I don't, I don't mind. I like sort of the growth, you know, I don't mind that they sort of sounded really like I had no idea what I'm doing. Cause sometimes now I don't know what I'm doing, but you know, um, I like that kind of, you can measure the growth and you can see it. I and hear it. <laughs> but yeah, so John Larkin, I knew him. Um, he was a friend of mine. I was a teacher for 17 years and he came in um, and, and he was just, and, and spoke to the students and, and taught them about writing. And he was just such a good bloke that we became friends. Like he's just one of the nicest humans you'll ever meet. And so when I first started, I thought, well, I'd probably like to speak to someone who A, will say yes, he will speak to me and B, um, that, you know, I felt comfortable talking to and I knew that he was going to be a really nice guy. So we had that lovely chat, the first interview and yeah, it just started from there. So I'll always be um, very thankful to John for, uh, for just taking that chance and, and having that chat. And I guess that's the same, you know, when you're starting out you know, you're so grateful to those people that thought, oh yeah, I'll give up my time. You know, we know how precious time is to give you half an hour when at that point, no one had a clue what Words and Nerds was going to be, if it was going to be anything, if anyone was going to listen, I had no idea either. So (laughs) it was nice that um, people took that chance. And I'm speaking to Jackie French on Thursday for the second time. And she was um, episode 10 of mine. And I'm so grateful to Jackie French for taking a chance on a podcast who was nine episodes in and just had this chat with me so I'm so grateful it'd be so nice to speak to her tomorrow three and a half years later (laughs) oh that is wonderful I actually interviewed Jackie um towards the end of last year in fact and uh, a nicer person you couldn't meet so it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that she took a chance Mm. on a small podcast um because she did exactly the same thing for me even though I'm a couple of years down down the track but you know I often wonder like you know have they even heard of talking Aussie books? And, you know, like these amazing authors who, who are so prolific and have produced so many wonderful books, you know, and they get asked to be interviewed by somebody they've probably never heard of. And it always surprises me that they're so generous mm. with their time and, you know, talk to you as if, you know, 
you're you're the most important person um, at that time for them. So it is a wonderful feeling. And that's wonderful. I look forward to hearing uh, Jackie on your podcast again. Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to it. Although I always still, you get really nervous when people, you know, like Jackie French, she's pretty much writing royalty and speaking to her. You think, you know, I, I want to make, I don't want to waste her time. I want to ask her valuable questions. So, you know, I'm probably not going to sleep for the next two nights, but that'll be fine. <laughs> Claudine, we spoke earlier um, about being a team of one. So, you know, one Aussie books, one words and nerds. <laughs> So we don't really have a team, I guess, I guess. But is there anyone that helps you out or who bounces ideas off? Because I've found a couple of people who, you know, have either done a couple of spin-offs or who co-host with me and who are happy to sort of bounce ideas or give me ideas, um, which I find really helpful because I think sometimes being a team of one, it's a lot of pressure and sometimes it's hard. Yeah, it is a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, most definitely I'm a team of one. I don't really have any you know, any, anyone that I ask specifically about the podcast. But I have a, a group of writing mates that, um, you know, I speak with quite frequently, um, Sandy Docker, Cassie Hamer, yeah. uh, Shelley Gardner, the author stalker, uh, Rose Putty, another, another podcaster. So, you know, we talk a lot. And, um, yeah, if I've got any issues, I guess I could always bounce ideas off them and, um, you know, they'd always help me out. But in terms of like day-to-day running of the podcast, it really is just me making decisions and, you know, dealing with publishers and publicists and books coming in and deciding, you know, which interviews to, to run with. And uh, yeah, I think that that's it. And it really is a lot of pressure, actually. <laughs> it's nice to have people to run things past those. So, oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Is this a stupid idea? Is this a good idea? <laughs> yeah, I must say it must be the lawyer in me. I'm, I'm kind of a bit rigid like once I've decided on a formula I kind Mm -hmm. of just go with it and it's um you know it works for me yeah and I just have this it's a known quantity for me I know exactly what I'm doing and I and I I think I'm just comfortable in that there may come a time where I have to think a little bit more laterally about what I'm doing and whether or not it's working whether people are enjoying at the moment everybody seems to be enjoying the, the interviews that I conduct and authors seem to enjoy being interviewed. So at the moment it's, you know, status quo. Yeah. It's really interesting how you said your your job, you know, as a, as a lawyer, you feel like that makes you rigid or maybe it's just makes you, you know, really organised and, and knowing what you want. Um, whereas for me, I was a teacher for 17 years and I think being a teacher and, and a head teacher for 11 of those, you're very sort of have to be creative all the time you know you can plan this amazing lesson and the kids might hate it or something goes terribly wrong or the technology works so you're like right what am I going to do now for 30 minutes with you know 30 16 year olds so you're always sort of having to think on your feet and be creative and do that so I think my brain is still sort of fireworking you know so going oh what can I do now oh what about this what about this oh what about this so I do I do think it's important like you say to have that core um structure and format which I do too but then um I've been doing a couple of spin-off series as well like the summer series um spin-off and I've got um, Ben Hobson he's starting the the uh, burgers beers and books spin-off so everyone's really excited about that me too he's such I a great that. he's such a great interviewer he's so natural you just feel like you're at a pub eating a schnitzel with him so I'm so looking forward to that and um, we're doing an inside publishing one soon so that'll be a bit of an insight into the publishing industry which I think will be cool so I think my brain is just a bit of a firework it's like yeah. oh bang 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 you know what, Danny? I have to say, and I and I did say it to you before we started recording that I have a great deal of ad- admiration for you. 
you're so prolific and you've got like 280 episodes or something. I mean, that's just phenomenal in the time that you've been running. I mean, that's incredible. So more power to you that you've got all these wonderful ideas sparking in your head all the time. And I feel like I'm just like, well, this is what I do, you know, and, you know, I just sit in my little box here and this is what I do. But I'm happy with that and I'm happy with, you know, the way that I'm approaching it. Yeah, and I don't think there's a right or wrong way. You know, sometimes I think I'm too noisy and I'm too loud and I need to calm down a bit, you know, and stop stop putting so many episodes out and just take a day off social media. But I just get really excited about things. So I think, you know, we were talking before about authenticity and we're talking about being genuine. You've just got to be that person. And if it annoys some people, well, you can't please everybody. You'll find your tribe who don't mind that, you know, enthusiasm or whatever. But I don't think there's a right or wrong way. You know, I think you've got to do what's right for you. Um, you know, for me, this is such a such a creative outlet that just calms my anxiety. It puts that anxiety into creating something positive. And I don't know, I think maybe because I've been doing it for three and a half years, I just, I sort of, even though it seems a lot, like I just have it down pat. So I interview Tuesdays and or Thursdays, and I try and keep most interviews down to 30 minutes, like a very sort of formulaic sort of nine questions 30 minutes. So then when you edit, it doesn't take that long. To be honest, I don't sleep a whole lot. I try to sleep, never works for me. So I just, you know, again, accept that self and go, I'm only ever going to get, you know, five or six hours sleep. Sometimes I'll go to bed at 9.30 and try and do that thing that you think is healthy for you and go, right, really? And I just lay there for three hours. So I may as well edit a podcast. I may as well read a book because it's not happening. My brain does not want to sleep for eight hours. One of the questions that I really wanted to ask you and knowing how prolific you are, and how many podcast episodes you get out, you know, in the course of a week. And I just you know, sit here like wiping the sweat off my brow thinking, oh, my God, how is she doing all of that? So I, I wondered, you know, how do you juggle your work, your writing, your reading and your preparation for podcasting? What, what does your typical week look like? Okay. Um, so I have little kids as well. I've got two little kids. And so they go to bed at 7 o'clock. And so they're probably, they're asleep by eight. So then from eight o'clock is sort of my time to do whatever I want. So Tuesdays and Thursdays I put aside for podcasting. Um, My brain likes to write in the morning. So I put um, a time aside Saturdays and Sundays where I actually just stay in my bed and write for sort of two hours every morning and people know just to leave me alone. (laughs) So we've all got our routine. (laughs) During the week I try and squeeze in some writing or editing, but I'm a bit brain dead by, you know, the time I'm working and, um things like that I don't watch a lot of television I must say um not because I don't like television just because I had to give up something I can't do all the editing and the podcasting and watch tv (laughs) so I probably maybe watch tv once a week um and yeah then I just I stay up late editing and I'm a very fast reader I think when I was an English teacher I would read multiple books simultaneously and I think I just get really fast at reading so I probably you're right I probably do need to slow down but at the moment I feel like I feel like, I don't know, it's working at the moment. I'm probably going to burn out shortly, but that's okay because you can always pull back, you know, instead of I'm, I'm releasing three a week at the moment, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but the world's not going to end if it goes to two or back to one. So I'll just do what I can now. And if I get too tired and too burnt out, I'll go back to one. What I do need to do, Claudine, is be better at saying no. Because I get all these beautiful books and I'm like, oh, I have to speak to this person and this. How do you do it? How do you say no? Teach me, um, teach me the ways. It, well, I'm terrible at it <laughs> as well. And, you know, I get told off by my family. They're saying, oh, you, you know, you say yes all the time and you're doing too much and, you know, it's a lot of pressure, but I I feel like I don't want to let people down. And, um, you know, it's 
having a podcast, you know, comes with a bit of a responsibility because to some extent you have a platform where you can, you know, push out news of all these wonderful books that are coming out onto the shelves. And I feel like, you know, going back to the reason why I started talking Aussie books, you know, I used to go into bookshops and get really frustrated that I wouldn't see a lot of Australian on the shelves. A lot of the time you go in and you see the New York Times bestsellers, you know, taking up a whole shelf. And I just feel like we've got so many amazing, talented Australian authors here that we really do need to be spotlighting them a little bit more. Anyway, to go back to to that. So um, yes, saying no is quite difficult. I think <laughs> publishers now have got the, the idea that I will, you know, usually interview an author if I, if I get their book. Um, very rarely I say no. For example, I get sometimes sent memoirs and I don't do interviews on memoirs. And, um, I, yeah, if I feel like my audience isn't going to really um, respond well, I've kind of got a sense of the kinds of books that people like to hear about, um, then I might say no. But it's very rare. So <laughs> I'm, no good. I'm not, not any good. So that you're not going to help I'm me at all? No. <laughs> I'm afraid not. Um, and I was going to ask, how do you choose? How do you choose your books? Because like you said, you don't do memoirs. Um, so do you, how do you, I mean, you, I know you talked about audience and, and thinking about what they respond to, but is there something or a genre or a writer or a type of book that you just know that, yep, I have to do this one? Yeah, it usually comes down to whether or not it's something that I would like to read. So if it's something, if it's a book that's calling to me or I've read a book by that author before um, or it's in a genre that I just cannot go past, I will usually just say, yes, let's let's book in an interview. Um, Less so if it's somebody that I don't, I'm not familiar with or their writing is not, I'm not familiar with their writing. But, you know, having said that, I will always read um, the book and then, you know, decide whether or not it's something... um, you know, I'm happy to to go ahead with. Occasionally I get requests from people and I just, I feel like it's just not something I can interview somebody about for, for a variety of reasons. Um, in that case, I will usually offer to do a review. Mm-hmm. And, and just so that, you know, I'm still using my platform, but, you know, it takes time to do the podcast like we were talking about before. You know, I will read the book. Uh, like you, you know, you research the author and you prepare for the interview and then you edit the interview and then you've got to spend time pushing it out on social media and, you know, posting it to your platforms. So there's a great work involved in a podcast episode. So I can't, and just because it's only one of me and there's only so many hours during the day and I am doing my own writing, I have my own family and work stuff to get on with, you know, it is... Although I do want to say yes to everybody, it's just not possible to say yeah. yes. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It sounds like we're living parallel lives. <laughs> cool. I, I would say so, Danny. I would say so. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, if you had your time over, would you do anything differently? It's an interesting question because it's easy to say, I wish I had known about the right mic or known tech better or, you know, had better equipment or knew what I was doing. But I I actually really, I do cringe a bit when I go back and listen to the first episodes, but I, I also like that growth. You know, I, I think if things are too shiny, I think people kind of don't relate to them, but if things are also not, you know, not cared about as well, that's not good because people don't think, you know, if they're a bit unprofessional, it looks like you don't care about them. So I, I think 
I try, I don't know what it looks like, but I try and strike that balance between being, not that I could ever be too shiny. So I, I you know, it's not even an option, but being somewhere between that, because I think part of, part of what people like about our podcast is that we're real people, we're vulnerable people. We have real lives and families um, we have as you know little time as everybody else. We're juggling multiple things at a time, and we just really love books. And I think if you became that sort of shiny persona with this perfect podcast, it it wouldn't work. It's not kind of our market, you know. So I'd, I'd like to honestly say that I probably wouldn't change anything because I really like the fact that the podcast came out of nowhere and nobody listened. And I was just hoping maybe my mum would listen. And, and then it kind of is something, you know, like I don't know what it is, but people listen. I engage with people on social media. You know, in 2020, I think people were so bored that, you know, the listens tripled in number. <laughs> so, And how good is that? How good is that? You know, there has to be something good that came out of the pandemic, I guess, because not a lot of other good things came out of it. But oh, um yeah, so you know, you find you find your people and you find an audience. So, you know, I, I of course you'd rather it, you know, sound a bit more professional, or whatever. But I think I'm trying to think that I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't, I wouldn't change anything because had I not sort of not known what I was doing and didn't sort of feel challenged and struggled and vulnerable and like. I was never good enough. I don't think I would have gotten here authentically, you know? So I think that kind of climbing the rung little by little, little by little, I think that brings you to where you are now. And I think it makes you a very grateful that you've become part of the community. So grateful that people actually listen um, to what you're doing. Cause like you said, it's a lot of work. Um, So yeah, I guess, I guess nothing. (laughs) I love that. You own it. You know, you know where you've, come from and you know what you've achieved and you've achieved great things Danny thank you as you have too I mean that's why I wanted to speak to you because I thought we need to do this mash up because a parallel lives and podcasts about books we need to talk we need to talk absolutely fantastic fantastic (laughs) the chance to interview anyone who would it be Oh, that's such an interesting question, Claudine, because I had this list before I started, you know, Jackie French was on that list and Peter Goldsworthy was on that list and Elliot Perlman, who I've loved his work for so much, was on that list. And um, of course, Tara Moss, I really admire her work. She was on the list and, you know, then we interviewed Matthew Riley and I thought, I don't have a list anymore because... (laughs) You know, I've spoken to these amazing people. So instead of trying to keep having this disappearing bucket list, I think for me I've stopped putting people, specific people on the list, and I have just really aim to have really deep or fun conversations with interesting people because although I've, you know, spoken to people like Matthew Riley and Jackie French and Trent Dolph and all those amazing people who have done some amazing work, I think what is as important is I've made some really good friendships and really connected with the people that I've interviewed who, you know, these people have become friends who I speak to often, who I go out and, you know, see socially. So I think, you know, that is as equally as important, you know, those friendships and connections you've made. So I've I've sort of taken away the list of people and I've replaced it with just, I just want to keep having conversations with interesting, inspiring people who love books, who want to reflect and change the world by 
putting out literature and that's what I want to do. So I just want to keep having those conversations. Is that just way too deep? <laughs> no, not at all. I think that's wonderful. And, look, I was going to say exactly, you know, well, not exactly the same thing, but, you know, in the same vein, you know, somebody asked me not so long ago if, you know, if you interview anybody who who would you interview and all the people that I had long admired um, and thought wouldn't it be great if I could interview those people I have interviewed them mm. and um, to the point now where you know I, I said to my husband if I stopped today I'd be really happy because I've you know overcome my own fears and insecurities by you know putting aside am I putting aside that question am I good enough and you know I have interviewed those people and I've done a decent job in doing that and I've had a wonderful response to those interviews and so that just makes me say yep if I didn't do another interview I'd be super happy of course I am still doing this please don't worry please don't don't email Danny and I say why are you stopping I'm not stopping but I'm just saying that if I if I you know something happened to me tomorrow and I couldn't interview anymore, then I'd be more than happy with the number of interviews that I've already done and the people that I've had the very great fortune to speak to already. Mm, no, that, that's a, that's, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and it becomes, of course, you still get excited and nervous about those kind of people. I mean, we were doing a live stream with Matthew Riley too and I feel like I'm just terrible live. I just, I, I don't know. I So I was just, you know, wide-eyed and just going, right, just stick to the questions, Danny. Do not veer from the questions and you'll be okay. But he was such a lovely down-to-earth guy that, you know, but I just gave myself twice the stress because we said to the publisher, we'll live stream it, we'll get, you know, bookshops involved, we'll then turn it into a podcast, we'll professionally produce it. So, you know, we're, we're selling all these things. And then I'm like, oh, God, now I've got to do a live stream with Matthew Riley. <laughs> Well, I didn't do it all on my own. Um, I, yeah, I know it's stressful just thinking about it, but I didn't do it on my own. It was um, Adrian Beck did all the producing because I said I can't think and do live stream and ask questions and look like I'm, you know, not hyperventilating. I need some help. <laughs> so you have to do all the techie stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which reminds me I did um, – Speaking, I mean, speaking of embarrassing or, you know, stressful moments, I did a live book launch for Vanessa Clanavali, um, her beautiful book that she released last year. And uh, we were doing a live Facebook streamed event. And it was um, a stormy day here in Sydney and didn't think anything of it. My husband, because on pain of death, nobody was allowed to make any noise in the house. <laughs> the dogs were put away. Everyone was shut up in their rooms. My husband was like, you know, I'd sworn him to absolute silence. He wasn't even allowed to watch the TV. <laughs> so, you know, the interview got going and we had all these people live. So fantastic. And the interview was going really, really, I had about five minutes left to go. Unbeknownst to me, my husband had sneaked out. He thought, oh, look, I'm not going to be of any use here, so I'm just going to leave. Anyway, a, the storm hit and um, the electricity went out. Oh, no. Five minutes away from wrapping it up and I was dead. Like, no, there was a blank screen where I should have been and we were just about to draw a winner of the book giveaway and everyone's going, where's Claudine gone? Where's Claudine gone? And, of course, I couldn't even get on. I couldn't do anything. I ran outside. It was pouring with rain. I was looking at the electricity fuse box trying to figure out how you were going to get back. 
back on and it was just a nightmare. And I was just looking around thinking, where is everybody? Nobody's got me. Honestly, the, the most... Honestly, the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me um, in, in relation to this podcast. But I mean, it all it all went, ended well, and everybody had a bit of a giggle. <laughs> still can't live it down. I was still so nervous, and I literally was sweating trying yep. to get this thing up and running. But um, you know, <laughs> them's the the things that happen yeah. to I, uh, podcasters. That's it. And I think in 2020, we've all had those weird Zoom experiences where you know it doesn't work, nothing works, or oh, yeah. you can't hear someone, or someone's not on mute, or you know, there's always something. I often say, you know, it's not a Zoom meeting unless someone isn't working or doing something wrong, or there's you know something interruption, you know. <laughs> So we've done really well so far, Claudine. <laughs> we've got Wi-Fi, we've got no interruptions, no thunder. So not yet. <laughs> we should just wrap this up. <laughs> so I do have a final question for you. What what highlights of um what are your book highlights for 2021 or 2020 so far? Yeah, look, I this was a really hard um choice to make, but I think that. For the, you know, so far I've read about I don't know, I've read about fourteen or fifteen books so far this year, and I couldn't choose one. But uh, the first one is the funny thing about Norman Foreman. I don't know if you can see this. I can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Juliet. Julietta Henderson. Now this book was sensational. Absolutely loved this. And I had the very great fortune of interviewing Julietta not so long ago, and that podcast should go live in the next week or so. I absolutely loved this book. And then the second one that I really, really enjoyed was um, Greg Woodland's uh, The Night Whistler, mm-hmm. which was, um, you know, I love that cover. Stroke. Yeah, it's a fantastic mm. book. And it was actually inspired by an event from Greg's childhood, which wow. um, was so intriguing to me. I actually heard Greg speak at the Bad Crime Festival in Sydney last November and I, you know, quickly whipped out my, my business card and said, I really love to talk to you. <laughs> and the podcast as you do and all my friends kind of just went, oh, my God, oh, my God, she, she, she's doing it again. Um, <laughs> can't take her anywhere. Can't take this woman anywhere. But they were two of my favourite are two of my favourite reads so far this year. I mean, there are so many wonderful Mm. reads, but they're the two that stand out for me. I think the books that I've really loved this year, um, I've probably read about eight a month, I think. Um, The Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean, that was incredible. I started it at about 6pm and didn't put it down. I think I got up to make a cup of tea and that was it. I didn't move. I had to finish it and it was incredible. And I actually found myself actually physically on the edge of my lounge when I finished it, I was like, oh, I really was on the edge of my seat. (laughs) So that was incredible. And um, I spoke to Will on the podcast and he's in, he lives in this Swedish forest. And can you believe the internet was never better? Like sometimes I speak to people in Melbourne and the the internet is terrible. Um, And he was in Sweden. I'm like, how are we getting such great internet? He's like, oh, there's great internet here. (laughs) So he was talking about, you know, being an artist in the wilderness and how that inspired, you know, his really creepy work and brilliant books. So if you get the chance you won't just put your night aside because you won't put it down um and the other one I really loved was the push by Ashley Audrain that was just that was amazing um such an incredible voice at first person present tense really creepy I just love a good crime thriller though and um just really beautifully written so I loved the push by um Ashley Audrain so they're probably two standouts for me but you're right you can't just especially when you read so much you can't just choose um, you know, two, but since we shouldn't speak till midnight, um, 
they'll be my two that I've just really loved this year. I feel like it's an industry that's given me so much as well, you know, because I've grown up with literature. I've always loved books. They've always given me comfort. Um, and and I, someone said, you know, they, they console you. And I think that's really true. You know, books can console you in hard times, bring you joy in happy times. And they're always there. And, you know, you go back. I always go back to the books that I loved because there's comfort in that, you know, going back to familiarity and going back to things that you love or that resonate with you or that scare you or whatever. Claudine, I've just had the best chat with you. I'm so happy that we got to connect and speak about podcasting and books and all the things in our heads and what our week looks like and all those things. So I really had a great time. We should definitely do it again. And I have absolutely loved chatting with you this evening. Thank you so much for having me on Words and Nerds. Likewise, I look forward to your upcoming episodes.